Hello and welcome back to the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. You are listening to episode number 45 and you're joined by the usual quartet of bodybuilders, Jack, both of the Dans and myself, Lawrence. And I was just thinking, do either of you ever have gone by Danny? Have either of you ever been called Danny for any stage of your lives? I can't say I have. My dad might say Danny boy once or something like, but like, yeah, not really. I've got a couple of like family friends when I was younger used to call me Danny, but no, not, 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 about not too much. Dwayne. Yeah. Like Dwayne Johnson. No. What? No. <laughs> Why would they make that comparison? Well, I sometimes call my brother right Dwayne here. and he's called Daniel. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just right. my family, thing, I guess. Jack with a rogue entry early doors. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, is Zarafas is Zarafas, you know, all this yeah. kind of fancy stuff. easy to mix up the two yeah i think it's interesting that you sort of pick the names like someone like james for example like they some people are called jimmy some just will stay as james and it's i don't know maybe the two of you weren't like playful enough in your youth to to acquire the danny nickname yeah i Mm. guess we weren't maybe yeah well that's right is kind of feminine though that might yeah i do a little bit did you guys have any any nicknames when you were kids? Like things that your friends would call you or, or anything like that? I've only recently started to get called Laurie more. Like I was never called Laurie at all in my childhood. And the boys at work call me Laurie. And I had like one, well, I had one friend at school that called me Laurie, but it was kind of half a joke. But yeah, like Laurie is sort of the nickname around work these days. And my parents used to call me Mr. Magoo. That was like my <laughs> like kid Magoo. name, yeah. And they, they still call me Goo. I don't know. There was, I think there was a cartoon character called Mr. Magoo. And I don't know, might just started getting called it one day. And, and how does that relate to you? I honestly have no idea. I have no idea. But I was just called that when I was little. And then it sort of just got transformed into then Magoo. And now it's just Goo. I mean, wasn't, wasn't Leslie Nielsen? Didn't he play Mr. Magoo in... Uh in like one of the the live adaptations because i'm pretty sure it was a cartoon and there was like a live yeah okay movie i I think i've seen both versions like i haven't watched it but i've seen pictures of it yeah okay is there any resemblance yeah you guys are uncanny like oh spot on yeah you look exactly like yeah leslie nielsen yeah all right perfect we'll have to investigate (laughs) what about you jack oh well we still need to know we there's still a nickname that we don't know about that's the Well, there's, the real there's a nickname that we get to the bottom of. you know about, but it might not exist. It might just be in your head. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, Jack's been... He's operating on a different wavelength. The <laughs> chat we were having off air, Jack's just sort of being sneaky about everything today. I mean, I didn't really get... There's, you can only do so much with Jack. Like, there's not really a nickname for that. But I did sometimes get called Radders because my nickname... Sorry, my last name is, is kind of long. So, Radders instead of Radford Smith. And... Uh, because I have a twin, um, occasionally, this isn't politically correct, but we were, I don't know why, but we were called like the Twin Towers for some reason. So that was, <laughs> that was mainly was when be we were like playing soccer. one B2 or something like that. Yeah. Did you ever get called Two Dads? No, we didn't. <laughs> Mate, that is one of the great nicknames for someone with a hyphenated surname. Mm. Two dads. Oh, good. We, there was like that. at cricket that was always like if anyone had a hyphenated name, they get called two dads. And then there was one guy with a hyphenated name who was also like weirdly close with one of like the old boys, and they used to call him three dads. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell? But yeah, sporting nicknames are the best. I love it. Mm. What about you, Danny's? No, I, I don't really. Probably like Dan, like, but that's short for Daniel. So I guess it's not really an adventurous name. <laughs> mm. Well, back when in my swimming days, this was before I had braces because I had I had to wear braces for a good like three years. Uh, my my front teeth sort of resembled that of like kind of like buck tooth, I guess. <laughs> so oh, my no. my old swim coach used to call me Bugsy because I used to look like a bug, a rabbit. It's tough. Bugs yeah, bunny. yeah, yeah. But it just kind of stuck, and like at the end of it, like I didn't care. It was kind of just my nickname as a kid, uh, while whilst I was swimming for that swim club. But yeah, that's that's kind of the only nickname really. Yeah, wow, that's brutal. That's all right. <laughs> look at him now. Pro natural bodybuilder, king of the world. Who's laughing now? Mm. Indeed. Well, boys, it's been a little bit since. Also, DY, is your dog all right? Is that yeah? I, yeah, it is. It's like upside down right now on the back of the couch. Yeah, I don't fantastic. know what it's doing. Oh no, wait, that's two dogs. That's my other one <laughs> upside down. Two dogs, Next two dog. dads. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's it's fixed itself. Um, so we'll get a little bit of a catch up from boys, ratters. Why don't you start us off, mate? What's been happening? Yeah, so I'm deloading at the moment and uh, it's, it's quite a welcome deload. So I actually got some uh, some manual therapy done on on Monday, which was, it was nice in the moment and I got some, uh, some cupping style work done. And it was interesting because she didn't, she didn't cup it and then leave it there. She just cupped it and then massaged with the cup. And that's what created all that, all that bruising. And yeah, it's still, it's recovered very quickly. And I got some needling done as well. Like partly because I'm just interested. Like I know a lot of people swear by that stuff and I don't want to be that person who's never had cupping or needling or, or um, like a remedial massage and, and, um, and still tries to comment on it. So I think it was a worthwhile experience for me. And I think still a little bit too soon to really comment too much on it given one session. So I won't really say, say anything. Um, I won't give away my opinion just yet, but I think a solid two weeks after this of, of being in a surplus and I've been hitting 95 kilos uh, the past few or week or so, maybe two weeks, not going to lie. That's been pretty, pretty tough for me to maintain 95. Like my body just really doesn't like being uh, this body weight. And just that kind of perpetual feeling of, of being full and waking up and feeling like I could very much easily roll over and go back to sleep. And um, especially in the gym on leg days, just kind of dealing with a lot of nausea. And even even though like my pre-workout meal is a couple hours before and it's a liquid, so it should digest really quickly, like just been struggling with that as well, but only two weeks to go and uh, looking forward to looking forward to mostly like feeling better, but also revealing some of the changes that I've developed because it's been a solid, solid eight or nine months in a surplus now, which is a decent period. Yeah. That's crazy. It doesn't actually seem like that long ago where you did your micro cut as mm. we, we've come to know it. Is the plan yeah. going to be quite similar short, sharp three or four weeks? Yeah, I think so. Cause I'm, I'm not planning to get that to that body weight again. I think we're going from like 95 to 89. So I reckon we'll be able to get that done in in three in four weeks probably. Yeah, perfect, mate. Well, it's going to be good because uh, even the post that you put up with some of your progressions, like it's it's all looking awesome. So you imagine yeah. even more time on top of that before you get ready to peel it all away. It's it's mm. going to be really good to see. 
yeah, looking forward to it. Beautiful, mate. Mr. Chappell, give us an update, mate. What have you been up to? Uh, so the last two weeks I ran a, just a small dieting phase. So I've gone from sitting at around sort of mid to high 94s. I'm down to 92, 92 mid, uh, somewhere around there. And, and really the, the utility of that was just to try and spike my hunger again. Cause I was just not, I was really struggling to push in more food. And, um, so rather than just kind of hitting my head against a brick wall, this has certainly spiked my hunger up a lot more. So I am in a good position now to sort of push, push onwards from here. So I'll probably be looking to increase my weight up to around that sort of 90, 95-ish again uh, over the next stretch. And training-wise, man, everything's progressing really nicely. Um, enjoying benching again. It's been nice to, to get some bench back in rotation. So this will be my, my second proper week of, of benching. And um, I want to build, build back up to some impressive numbers again. So I'm excited for this, this upcoming phase, these next five weeks. Man, other than that, we're sitting at like a month out from, from, from the show. I've got AJ who's jumping on the stage. He's, he's sort of one week out from, from his comp. So by the time the listeners listen to this, it's basically peak week. Uh, he'll be in peak week, which is very exciting. And then I, I think Queensland is sort of about two weeks behind in terms of their shows. So very exciting, man. I'm getting excited to, um, to see all the competitors up on stage. We had posing with the pros on, on the weekend as well, which was, which was a vibe. It was good fun. Uh, just seeing the number of competitors and also the the number of competitors that are due for season like A of, oh, sorry, season B of end of this year. So, you know, not only competitors rocking up that are competing in a couple of weeks time, but people who are competing for season B, which is very cool to see people get sort of getting ahead with regards to their posing and and not feeling like, you know, these posing workshops are only specific to the season of, of, of the competitors up and coming, you know, getting in nice and early. So, yeah, man, that's kind of where I'm at. Everything's progressing really nicely. I'm I'm not injured at this point. I'm still like I've still get a little bit of niggle, niggle through my lower back at some point, but um, like it's much better managed than what it was a few months ago when I was kind of complaining about it a bit more. So yeah, things are progressing nicely. Where are the bench numbers at? Uh, so I hit what did I hit? I hit a 125 for a pause on with with five reps as a top set. Uh, it, it's quite a bit lower than what what I've done in the past. Like I. I think my my max in terms of a four RM was one forty paused, um, so I'd like to kind of work back to some numbers. I'd love to hit a, f- a five reps uh, with one forty on a pause bench. That'd be like an ultimate goal for me. And how was that forearm machine? Yeah, you yeah. on your story was that <laughs> bizarre right? machine, right? Like I I saw it uh, when I was walking through the like gym, and I was like, phrase. yeah, I was like, how do I do a seated calf phrases off this? <laughs> and then I saw someone else on it using it, and you sort of crunch through your fingers to uh to lift the load i'm like ah this is how we use it so as soon as he jumped off it boom i was straight on it to, to give it a crack uh my hands are actually pretty sore after after it i'm not gonna lie um but you know whether it's going to be the difference between further forearm growth or not <laughs> it's too early to, to comment really and like i said i've never really done a whole lot of direct forearm work um i've just you know carried the groceries in on one trip and um you know, just, just the standard, right? So. Yeah. Very nice. Would you have three plates on that? Uh, you can only stack, you can only put uh 10 kilo plates on it. Oh, okay. so you can't actually like the space of it. You can't actually allow for 20 kilo plates, but I think the weight that I got up to was like 40, 40 kilos. So it was uh, four 10 kilo plates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Very nice. And Mr. Yates, what's been happening on your end, mate? 
It's impressive that uh, DC pretty much forearm curls more than my calf raises. It's always an impressive sight. <laughs> uh, no, but I'll, I've been good. I took a deload this week, a little bit different of a deload than what I'd normally do. I pretty much took a majority of the week off, only trained twice. My dad was moving on the weekend and he needed someone to move the really heavy load. So obviously I had to put my hand up and say, hey, I got you. So I helped him move over the weekend. So I pretty much took off Human like... forklift. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I'd probably pull one and a half times whatever a forklift would do. But my, oh, my hip was a bit sore, so I had to take it easy. But no, it, it was good. I pretty much just like kind of rested for the entirety of the week. I only did like two sessions, like an upper and a lower. Picked like some compound movements from each of them. Pretty much tried to do match my previous top set on each of the exercises. And for nutrition for the week, I took like more of like an intuitive eating approach. I didn't track religiously. I just kept pretty much like my four meals throughout the day, similar replicated meals, but didn't track exactly to the dot. So then that way, when I start next week, which I might be seeing Joe, I'll probably start my mini cut then. And then that's where the fun starts. So intuitive eating for you would be four zingers a day. <laughs> well, like it, protein, carbs, like a little bit of fats in there with the mayo and like your lettuce. Like it's, it's a complete meal. Like there is nothing like, and you times that by four, like, you know, all you need is just like one of those little kids bags of fruit that you get from like McDonald's. <laughs> You're getting at least like four fruit, four veg, like correct me if I'm wrong, Jack. It's perfect. <laughs> If but you, you want it, you can even get fruit. You just need an, an apple juice. That's all you need. Exactly. So that's what I've been taking alongside it, especially while I was moving. You know, I think when we were moving, one of the days was like 40 degrees or something too. It was absolutely scorching. But well, yeah, yeah, the end of last week was horrendous. Mm. Yeah, it definitely mm. wasn't the date to move. The funny thing is that if you were in prep, that would still be a cold day for you, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's cold. laughs> Fuck, yeah. it's freezing. You'd be outside in 40 <laughs> degree weather, just like shivering with like 10 layers on. And people will be looking at you like, who is this person? Why are they covered up? Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. It, I must say, it's been nice to have a little bit of rain the last couple of days just to take the edge off and cool things down a little bit. Mm, for sure. Has been good. But yes, in terms of my end, you know, it really, I know the last couple of weeks have been very similar, essentially just start waiting to start prep. So I had a, a good call with Joey today. We actually jumped on a podcast and spoke about some of the sort of prep details and, and ins and outs and things like that, which will be, it'll be good to put that out and sort of explain a few of the processes to people. But yeah, we're both really, really excited. So not, well, tomorrow week will be, no. So Friday week will be first day of prep, which is really exciting. So there's a few like family birthdays and social things coming in the next week or so, but that's essentially what the plan was, get through them and then start prep the next day, which will be sweet. Have you been tempted to start earlier? Not really. I, I feel like I am, I'm someone who does like, you know, this is the start date and we start from there. Like you sort of compartmentalize everything. And the more I think about it, I just don't think we would need to. Like, I feel like with more than just over 23 weeks till the first show, it'll be more than enough time given the fact that I think I'm starting in reasonably good condition from the outset. Like, it's certainly the best starting point I've had. So I think that'll be enough time. And, and I've also reminded myself that it is not just the 23 weeks till show one. It's also another eight or nine weeks after that. So I think we, we need to make sure that we're not trying to get to a hundred percent, which, you know, even spoken to Joey about that today, like 
the plan can't be to be at 100% for show one. It's just unrealistic to expect mm. that we get into the best condition possible and then hold that for nine weeks. Like it's not going to happen. So even if we're still in just very, very good condition for show one and then just, you know, grab another percent each time um, so that hopefully by the time we're doing the bigger shows towards the end of the season, you know, the nationals and, and the worlds were, you know, in, in good Nick. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be good. Well, we've got some interesting questions, boys. So we shall crack in with the first one, which you can kick off for us, Mr. DC. How long should you rest before between sets? Now, this is actually off the back of a message we got from one of the listeners and just sort of highlighting a, a coach who I, I can't remember who it was. I think it was scratched out saying that, you know, the, the most anabolic time to rest for is like 90 seconds or 60 seconds or something like that. And before we get onto that, I was actually also thinking, any great fan base needs a nickname. Beyonce has the Beehive. Taylor Swift has the Swifties. So I think we also need to start brainstorming a name for the bodybuilding down under fans. So I'll, I'll leave that with us. I'll leave that with the listeners as well. And we'll try to get some, some suggestions for the week to come. Mm. Beautiful. All Lovely. right, DC, what's the magical rest period? Yeah. I mean, look, from, from a research perspective, I, I don't think that there's a, 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 a rest period range in which seems to be, you know, quote unquote, most anabolic from, from the literature that I've read. But I, I do think that realistically, the practical application would be to rest as required, like rest as much as you require to then actualize the best performance within your next set. Um, if I'm cutting my rest periods excessively short, then perhaps I'm limiting my ability to express an appropriate degree of strength within my next set. If I'm resting for way too long, perhaps I'm actually cooling down and my mental readiness towards that set is, is decreased. My physical readiness is decreased as well. So it's kind of somewhat of a, a Goldilocks principle, like too little, too much. Now, how does that look in terms of its application to different exercises? Well, you know, surely something like a seated leg extension, you can probably afford to perhaps take a smaller rest period than for example, like a heavy set of deadlifts. So Realistically, I, I tend to provide a little bit more of a, a rest range for my athletes, but I, I really do try and educate them on, you know, I want you to rest as required and rest as much as you require to then feel the most ready for your next set. So maybe a leg extension that might be one and a half minutes to two minutes, maybe for a, you know, lat pull down that might be between two to three minutes, maybe for a heavy compound movement, a hack squat, which is going to be more overall taxing maybe this rest period is between three to five minutes. So I do provide sort of a range for, for my athletes, um, but realistically, you, you're probably going to need to rest perhaps a little bit more on days where you may be more mentally and physically taxed. You've had a huge day at work uh, and therefore maybe you need to rest a little bit more between those sets. So it's, it's something that I think as an athlete, you probably need to auto-regulate a little bit more depending on your, you know, your performance, your recoverability and energy levels for the day. What would you say to someone who says, after one minute, I'm just ready to go? You probably don't lift that heavy. But, well, it obviously, it depends on the lift. Like if yeah. you're doing laterals, like, all right, fair enough, get back in there, lad. But if you're ready to go, like after a deadlift or a hack squat, after a minute, I'd be very, very surprised. Like for you, Jack, Takes me a example, minute to get out of the hack squat. Or you're so big that you need someone to come and help you out, but with your like RDLs, when you were like doing your peak, like 200 kilo plus RDLs, how long were you resting for? Well, that was just one set, but like 
before several weeks. Up. See, weeks. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. That's the same kind of rest break I have between my calf sets too. Like several <laughs> weeks. I would say at least five minutes though. More probably like five to ten. So would that be between like your la like your working set of RDLs and your next exercise or like your last primer set or feeder set? No, that would be if I was doing two sets of RDLs. Because okay. I did two sets for for a period and I did I did two sets. Uh, I'm doing two sets of stiff legs as well. So mm. yeah. And what do you do in that time? If you have 10 minutes? No, serious question. Like, do you just sit there? Are you trying to like get in your own head or do you, I don't know. You can like, turn it on write very a small presentation. Easily. So like, I, I don't need to kind of stick in the zone like some other people. I'll just go on my phone to be honest. Or um, yeah, I'm definitely not someone who also needs to like exclude being on their phone because otherwise like I'm literally just staring at the ceiling in my rest breaks <laughs> that's like half a friend's episode of just like yeah. rest break like you could literally like between your two sets you could pretty much like watch a whole friend's episode yes maybe I'll do that it's a good plan it's a good plan and UDY do you tend anything else to add to that no really I think DC covered it. I'd normally rest like for myself like to get the best out of the set like if I need four minutes for a hack squat set I'll take four minutes if I need if it only takes me two minutes for a leg extension set, I'll do the same thing as well. So, but DC pretty much had it absolutely nailed. Yeah. I mean, the, the blanket recommendation around like a minute 30, I mean, not all ex not, not, not all exercises are the same, right. In terms of it's, it's, it's demanding uh, how demanding it is on your CNS, like the fatigue in which it induces as well. So a minute and a half rest on a leg extension. Yeah, sure but a minute and a half rest on a heavy set of hacks, back squat, conventional dead, you know, particularly if our rep ranges, I mean, irrespective of rep range, regardless, like I think it's, you know, I think that's, it's probably too specific of a, of a, of a, a rest timer. I think if the athlete was to take that and apply that, then they, they may be cutting themselves short with regards to subsequent sets and their performance, particularly if they have centered around, you know, strength goals. Like yeah, if you, you're adding a cardiovascular component there, if you're only really taking a minute or a minute and a half rest after a set of, you know, heavy deads for, for reps of 10, where, you know, realistically you might be time on tension for 40 seconds, you know, within the next 40 seconds, you're, you know, you're back into another set, right? That's not really a whole lot of rest, rest period. I'd love to see the drop-off between doing one hard set of 10 rep deadlifts and then only having a minute and a half break between them to then get ready to go back into it. Like, holy God, it would go like 10 reps at that same load. And then it'd probably drop like probably like 50% of reps mm. whereby, you know, if you were to maybe have another two, three minutes on top of that, you could maybe pull eight, nine, if you train really hard. I don't, I honestly don't know if I'd even get 50%. I think I'm looking at one or two probably. Mm, I'd agree. Like yeah. there, there was that like, that moment in the gym where I was like, okay, I need to drop to like a top and back off set for my deadlifts. Cause I would do the second top set and I'd get like two reps in and go, I'm cooked. Like I, I can't, as you just, you stop being able to maintain the performance. But um, Jack, if you had a client who you were having that discussion with them of saying, you know, you're maybe not ready to prep yet. And perhaps in their mind, they had an idea that they were starting to prep for season B, maybe starting fairly soon. And you had to have the conversation with him to say, no, we need to push this back. You're not ready yet. How would you approach that? And how would you try and make them understand? Yeah. So for all my competitive clients, like whenever they sign up, I ensure to mention maybe not in the first call, but, but very quickly into the coaching, like, okay, these are kind of my 
expectations around competing. And these are the criteria that I set around like due diligence with accuracy of tracking and healthy relationship with food, healthy relationship with your body, ensuring that we have a appropriate um, starting point in terms of body composition. And from experience, like I know it's just, there are some people who maybe can have a suboptimal starting position, mainly in terms of body comp and still get through it with a lot of effort, but especially people who may not be as metabolically proficient, like they just, it's just too much of a struggle to get into adequate condition uh, if you don't have a great starting point. So I think ensuring that the individual knows all that beforehand will help a lot because it's not like me telling them outside out of the blue that, oh, sorry, you're not actually in the best starting point. Um, we, we can't prep right now. Like that would certainly be hard on a client compared to ensuring that they understand why and ensuring that they understand that we're going to be bringing a much better and proficient package next time if we just kind of refine these variables uh, leading up to the next season. Mm, very good. What about you, DY? How would you approach that sort of situation? Well, a lot of com- a lot of clients normally come to me and they they want to compete like that season. Like you know, they come to you like twenty four weeks out and they're like, "I want to do season A," and a lot of the time I give them the reasoning for pushing it out. Like you know, like we have more time to build. I can see how you go. Like you know, might have a little bit of a mini cut. I can see how you go when you're in a dieted situation, and a lot of the time they actually do appreciate it. Like pushing the season back and be like, you know what, actually a year out does sound a lot better than rushing a prep right now where my coach knows nothing about me. And I think if you do what Jack said, where you lay it out to them, show them the pros and the cons, you know, ensure that they're doing the tick boxes before they um, even start a prep. I think it's going to set them up for a lot more successful prep. And I think if they're in a good state of mind, they'll actually accept that and realize that, you know, you're actually putting the prep and how they're going to handle it and their mental health, and, you know, everything else in front of actually just taking a client to stage. But I think then obviously you want to make sure there's a good reason to push back the prep. If it's just pushing back a prep for the sake of pushing back a prep, then, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, well, why don't you prep? But if some of the tick boxes aren't in line, you know, maybe the timeline that you have the stage isn't in line to get the best out of your physique, then maybe pushing it back is the right choice. And I think the athlete, once you lay that out to them, will accept that. Mm, very good. Okay. Mr. DC, next question mm. is for you. If you made your own piece of equipment, what would it be? So you get to, I don't know, go into some magical construction warehouse. You can tell I'm a handyman. I just know exactly which words to use. And you get to craft your own bit of kit. What would you design? Oh, this is such a hard question. It's a really hard question. I, I haven't there. actually had some time to think about it, but I've, I've been thinking a little bit more about... Um, like uh, for example, when we trained at uh, Riggs Fit, how uh, you Jack, you use that um, that prime piece, that prime mm-hmm. uh, horizontal row, like the yeah. chest supported variant, and the fact that there are three points of contact where you can actually like place plates onto it, so you can load like the shortened position, more of the lengthened position, and the mid position as well. Like I think it would be very cool to have a lot more attachments on some of the equipment that we have to to allow for that degree of um, variation, so that you could potentially promote more like stretch mediate hypertrophy in some exercises versus not or load more of the shortened position or things like that. So, I mean, not specifically discussing like an actual one piece of equipment, but I think in, in general, if I was to think about like creating some equipment, I would probably utilize a little bit more of that. And definitely you need seven or maybe even 10 prongs, you know, let's not yeah. just Ray, let's not just work the mid position. Let's work the 
the 80 percent lengthened position and you look maybe you need a ladder to load the plates but <laughs> if that's what's going to get me you know yucky then i'll do it 100 yeah and dc also basic. needs long longer prongs on them as well for more plates to be loaded because the rigs one was just it was looking quite stacked by the time he was done with it <laughs> he needs the calibrated plates for sure what about you jack uh, I think I'd make a like a chest supported lap pull down. So, have you guys seen JP's uh, setup where he sets like the bench at uh, like probably sixty degrees, chest supported, has two D handles, and then basically like a chest supported, like yeah. very high row or lap pull down. I think that's probably what I'd make, but like a a proper version of it essentially. Because I don't know of any any lap pull downs that are chest supported that are that are created, from my knowledge. Yeah, I guess it just. I mean, like hammer strength have that high row, which it's like mm. a you can make it a little bit more lat if you put a D handle on. But even then, yeah, it's not great. You, to be fair, then you lose like the chest support. What about? Yeah. But like, isn't that quite similar to what you get out of the Nautilus machine at yours? Or do you put your arm there and just do? Yeah, it it's not chest supported though, so it is. Like I do find that when you get to a certain degree of intensity, like it does get quite difficult to really brace through the upper back. Mm, okay. Yeah. It's just very, the body really wants to start sort of having some internal rotation there to, to make the movement more efficient. Mm, okay. Do you want- Have you guys seen, you guys seen that, that giant uh, like leg press piece that have it? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Bev, Bev Francis, I think they have at that gym. It's mm. like, it's super tall, like, right? You got to actually like fully climb into it. You like anchor yourself into it. You push this platform away from you. But this thing is like a tower, right? Is you that right? You say? Climb up on it. I feel like that was designed based on a conversation like this. They're like, what yeah. would be like a cool piece of equipment? Oh man, it'd be so cool if we made this like two meter, like high tower and like you leg press off it. And they're like, done, I'm making it. Like I want yeah. that office vibes. Like I want to be like 10, 10 stories high while still doing a leg press. It's like, it would be so... <laughs> so therapeutic like that's what i want the next thing you know i don't think it was at bev's by the way dc i think it was at a gold's gym oh, uh, okay, i, right, I, I okay. didn't see it i don't know whether i'd stack it in bev's because it's not that tall but um yeah i think it was at a gold's but i did see that exact piece yeah actually you might be right because i think the, the piece was yellow yeah yeah Ooh, yeah it was yellow maybe we saw the I... same video yeah yeah <laughs> um my machines i reckon what jack suggested is good like something like an iliac lat pull down now that they're very very popularized like but actually having a machine for it where you might be able to like have some adjustability to it um now, now the other two exercises that i've been doing a lot that do i do find quite awkward um one's the face away curl so maybe having like a bench um you know like the lengthened position so something you can actually sit against instead of just standing there doing like a face away curl for myself i normally bring over a bench to hold it but it's like i don't want to have to take up someone else's bench like i feel like that could be something that could be quite easily innovated um and not the one at powerhouse lawrence where it's like you don't actually get the fully lengthened position i'd like one where you do get that and another one would be like a single arm overhead cable tricep extension I find there's not very many machines or like if you do no a cable, cable yeah, a cable, but like, I don't want to have to get there. I want to like have a backrest where I might be able to just pull it straight off over the top. I guess they can't see the video of me doing it, but yeah. Um, it may be like back supported as well to an extent. So that way you don't need to like fucking sit there swinging. It's like, you know, when, when you're like me and I'm doing 50 plates, like it starts to get a little, little heavy to stabilize. Yeah. 
Yeah, we've got to remember, Jack, the stack is pretty hard to move when you're doing them overhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But single arm as well, not, yeah, not yeah. double arm. Yeah, well, actually double arm, even when I do like a cable overhead extension, like uh, they well, do. If you can uh, do the full machine. stack with single arm, then how, what are you doing for double arm? Slower. The tempo. full stack. Yeah, tempo. Yeah, yeah. 10 second negatives with a five second pause and the length and position. <laughs> oh, of course. Have any of you guys seen the pendulum squat that Kasim has designed? Did any of you guys see that? It's called no. like Predator Strength is the brand, but it's just like adjustable absolutely everywhere. And I mean, it does look really good. The only thing I will say is like some of these pieces where every single part of it can be adjusted. It sounds really good in practice, but then when you actually use it, you're like, oh, I wish some of this was just welded because it just feels rickety. Like a good example that some uh, maybe DC and DY have used is like the Watson chest supported T-bar row. They've got one at Powerhouse. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the new one at Powerhouse. Yeah. They've got one at Mount Cravat. I don't know if you use as well DC, but like when you can adjust like the angle of the pad, the angle of your feet, the width and like the swivel of the handles. It's just like, all right. I just feel like I can't actually get any stability anywhere. Like the more adjustable you make it, you almost trade off the machine being a little bit rickety. Yeah, I completely agree. Actually, I I think some of the better T-bar, you know, chest supported rows I've used are the ones that have like not as much adjustability. Whereas the one, because I've actually using, I'm actually using this one in my current program, the Watson piece. And as much as it's fantastic, like, yeah, just so many points of adjustment. And it's like. The one at Riggs is great. And it's, there's no adjustable aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So that pretty cool you know, yeah. stuff is, is somewhat of a luxury. Like it just, it adds adjustability, but you know, whether you're actually getting any greater benefit from that, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, one could argue you could change the width so you could change how much elbow flare you have you know etc like, like they, they obviously could be could be benefit to that uh, in distinction but yeah i mean i feel like some of the best pieces i've utilized don't have you know tens points of adjustment mm. my selection would obviously be like some sort of mechanical arm that can like reach over and then it sends like a casing around your abdomen so it can keep you in neutral while you deadlift <laughs> I mean, that's a no-brainer but that would be a highly sophisticated piece of equipment that'd be mm. really good too because your waist wouldn't get thick as well because it would technically like take care of that obviously yeah last thing you want is like over a 30 inch waist on stage yeah which if you deadlift it's you're getting you're gonna have a 60 inch waist by the time you're yeah. at three plates aside mm, mm. yeah you may as well just like hire someone to like go and grab the dumbbells for you and just you know mm. stand completely upright they just hand the dumbbell to you because mm. look you know having the farmers walk those dumbbells back to your starting position like mm. waist i can see it expanding every step you might also yeah, grow yeah. too big a delts as well which you don't mm. want because mm. then it makes your waist look if you have too big a delts it makes your waist look smaller yeah, throw out those portions, you know. Mm. Did mm. like I remember Cuba in I'm not sure if he was prepping, but he was like literally said on a YouTube video, like, oh yeah, like Meg, my girlfriend, is gonna be like loading my plates for the rest of the prep. I was like, that's <laughs> that's yeah. commitment. Wait, you guys didn't do that during prep? That's why Lana's back went out. I had her following <laughs> me around. Oh <laughs> dear. Actually, oh, I've yeah. thought of I've thought of another another piece which actually might be quite not quite nice to implement. Uh, you know, obviously, like the the forty five degree hip extensions, and you know, having to load this with a dumbbell, like it would be pretty cool if we had the, like a pin loaded 
sort of piece where potentially you could get down and I guess place padding on like on maybe through your elbows and you could use that as a means of like biasing the glutes and not necessarily having to hold dumbbells at the chest mm. maybe something like that something you could grip onto as well would be pretty cool and pin loaded would be nice I'd also take out the handles because mm. I can never do I always hit the handles on the way down so I'd just take them out or at least make them wider on the mm. on the back extension yeah, mm. why are they there good question I mean I guess it's to allow you to sort of push back up after your set right Mm. just stand up stop be a coward he's got it listeners just yeah yeah stand up. yeah <laughs> this his life is so easy like jack i mean i solved his issue the other week he was like i'm really struggling to eat my food in under 30 minutes so what did i say jack eat quicker i mean it's really the simple game and people just are just they're just missing the obvious <sighs> yeah drives me insane like when people come in to see me at work they're like oh this hurts won't do that don't do that like it's a simple game guys come on it's like um, that it's like that meme where the um it's a picture of like a an older woman and she's like sort of poking her shoulder and she says to the doctor like doctor when i when i press this it hurts and the doctor's like don't press it like that's that's your solution can't lose weight just don't eat yeah don't eat yeah it's simple the next one's a i don't know it's a bit i don't know if it's a bit too heavy for the bodybuilding down under podcast what have been the high and low points of your lives we might give it to start this off time. lawrence I don't know. Like I've been very blessed in my life. Like I've had a very, very good and probably a very easy life, like a very chilled upbringing, but I don't know. I feel like now is the high point. Like I'm really happy with, with where things are at at the moment. So last week was the low point too. I saw you stubbed your toe. Yeah, mate. I mean, it was the biggest downward spiral I've ever seen. I, yeah, I limped for two meters and I thought that's it. No prep this year. I'm throwing (laughs) it in the towel. Yeah. What about the hamstring issue last prep? Was that like a low point? Like, did it affect you? I mean, maybe for the prep itself, just because my level of like worry and anxiety was probably just high because I was like five weeks out. But even then, like, I don't know. There's probably been like, you know, really stressful points. Like placement was like pretty rough just because of how hard it is and how much it takes out of you. But even then, like, is it a low point? I don't know. Like I was still happy. I, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how deep we want to go here, boys. I don't Whoa. think we go too deep. <laughs> hit, hit the big skip. I I genuinely hasn't, haven't had any low points in my life. Like, again, like I'm blessed. I've had a great upbringing. I've, yeah, had no real big struggles, touch wood. So fortunately, no major low points. Like probably the closest low point I've had is just having some pretty bad anxiety in, in like 2017. But like that's a, a walk in the park compared to what other people go through. And high point, similar to you, Lawrence, I think my life's honestly getting better every year. Like, I, yeah, so we're both pretty blessed. All he does is win. <laughs> Cue the track. What a song. Yeah, no, but no, I think you are right. Like it's... Uh, I don't know. And maybe it is some, maybe it's a part of it is like, you know, what other people go through. So mm. like, I would, I would feel quite, quite embarrassed complaining about, you know, anything in my life too much. And I don't know. I just think it's, that, that's obviously just me because I'm have had a very easy trot. I think. Mm. Well, this my- is probably one of those scenarios where, you, you know, you practice, you know, gratitude because I don't know from from any of us that have had you know incredibly hard times in our lives just from the conversations we've had comparative to what others surely endure you know throughout their lives but uh for me I would say I mean I've had quite a few you know nice high points um 
you know, finishing my, my studies, like finishing schooling as well is, is surely a, a high point in, when you're, in your life when you're younger, finishing university, like, you know, getting your first job, like all that sort of stuff, um, uh, you know, transitioning online in terms of coaching, following my sort of dream and passion in that respect. Uh, last prep as well, doing really well. You know, certainly there's plenty of highs. The, the lowest point for me has probably been when my prep was canceled that, that, that first time that, you know, I, and realistically in the grand scheme of things, like it's not that bad, you know? So I can be, I can have gratitude towards like the success and the happiness that I've had so far in life. So, um, but yeah, I would say that's probably my lowest point, like food focused, comps canceled, COVID looming and dooming, you know, the whole of like Sydney and Australia in lockdown. It's like, and even myself in terms of how I was affected during that time, like there were, there were certainly people who were affected way, way worse than, than me. So, you know, but yeah, that's, that's probably where I'm at. I'm quite similar where I guess really, I haven't had like a real low, low, what like, what like a lot of people do experience. Probably biggest one for me was maybe like when I came out of high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do or like didn't have a drive to really do anything. So it was just like kind of spinning my wheels for like a year. I guess it's like kind of like a gap year where it's like, but like ever since then, like when I started competing, I've always got to drive now. It's like, you know, it's either I'm competing or I want to compete. I've got a really good client base now. So like, like all you boys, you're probably at the best spot in your lives. And it's like, I don't know, I've got drive. I've got a good support structure you know, got a partner, got everything I need, where it's like where I didn't have that previously was probably like a low point. But even then it's like back then it didn't really phase me. But now that I look back at it in retrospect, it was probably like definitely lower than probably one of the lower points. Speaking of drive, what a segue. This wasn't even planned. One of the questions we got was, does your loss of sex drive get less severe the more you prep? So have you guys noticed that hasn't been as bad or like the loss of libido hasn't been as severe the more preps you've done no because physiologically <laughs> that doesn't make sense yeah. i love yeah. the i love the sigh it's like yeah. yeah no no yeah i agree it's like one of those things that like certain parts of prep you get better at tolerating but when it it almost it becomes a numbers game doesn't it you know there's just not enough testosterone in you to to get the job done at that point but i i, I will say that like it's, it's going to be so variable for everyone. Like some people report that it like goes unchanged. Some people will, will lose it like very, very soon. But yeah, I think it's, it's hard to say because I think the condition I got in, like for in my, the most recent two preps was like so much more. So it's hard to even compare them because it's such a different circumstance. Yeah, I, I think, think also just like the willingness to want to. Like in prep, when you're like ticking all the boxes, you're like, I've got to get sleep. I've got to focus on my nutrition. Got to get like, you know, training sessions done. Got to work, like do all this stuff. It's like, it's in, in the back end of prep, it's like the last thing that's on your mind. Like, you know, you want to worry about ticking all the boxes. And it's like, not only that, your hunger levels are really high. It's like the last thing that really comes through your mind, especially when your testosterone starts going down is, hey, like, you know, let's get it on. <laughs> you don't want to track steps incorrectly either exactly mm, how are you going to account for that in terms of your neat right so yeah. don't move how are you going to track it yeah but you boys didn't put your step watch on your <laughs> <laughs> oh dear you guys yeah. just don't want it bad enough i, I mean you could... <laughs> i mean you could say that like if if you got let's say you got very lean for your first show you know your first time out jump on stage and and um you walk away from that season and you're like okay what well, one thing i can improve is perhaps get leaner for my next show or the next time I get on stage, you know, 
showcase a better package. That's obviously the goal. But if it involves getting leaner, then you could almost say that it probably will get worse like the, mm -hmm. the next time you jump on stage, right? Because you are decreasing body fat levels further down and certainly as a response to that decreasing energy availability too through a product of less calorie intake and potentially an increase in energy expenditure bias, you know, step count. So probably an environment for it to potentially get worse the, the next season. The thing is, I, I don't think it's just testosterone though, because obviously enhanced bodybuilders, they, they suffer from lower libido as well. And they're obviously on super physiological levels of tests. So it's of course, very multifaceted as DY said, it's most likely like just that the wrong sort of drive, like the more prep desired drive as opposed to sex drive. Mm. Mm. And you could say like, regardless of whether someone's supplementing with exogenous testosterone, like in prep, you're just damn tired, like all the time, mm. you know? So the, the last thing you're probably thinking of is, is engaging in that sort of activity. Yeah. Very eloquent. Very good. No, I'm saying. Yeah, no, I'm saying. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Who is the strongest on the podcast? And like overall or at a particular lift? Oh, I thought this was meaning like mental character. Right. Yeah. Well, that yeah that's what I thought it. too. I just wanted to clarify. I think it would depend on the lift. Like I think DC is probably the strongest presser. What do you mm. think I have, Lawrence? Uh, just the, the pure will to live, I reckon. My rear. <laughs> <laughs> strongest probably jaw. Got, probably got the, yeah, the rear delts, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Iliac like pull down, maybe. Yeah, been running on them for two years, so I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I don't think Lawrence, think... you're probably the strongest uh like presser with your quads, like legs wise. Maybe. I think because you because you did beat Jack in the hack squad off, didn't you? Did I guys did I ever tell you about that? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I'll tell the story again. Tell me again. Yeah, yeah. So it was a drizzly Thursday. No, I'm just kidding. We all know what happened. No, well, we, I, we well, do need a rematch. Yeah, yeah. When I'm, we'll do it at three weeks out. <laughs> yeah. Wheel me in. Um, I think, well, RDL, what's, I know I'm not touching anyone on the RDL. Yeah, same here. What, what have you gotten up to, Jack? I haven't RDL'd for a while, but I would, I would still be at around 200, I think. Because, mm. mm. and none of you really conventional deadlift either. No, I got, I, I almost got up to 200 on, on stiff legs from the floor before yeah, I that's we, a very strong stiff legged are you done with stiff leggings well I'm doing them a little bit raised now just to oh. yeah just to avoid as much uh risk as possible yeah mm. yeah I think in terms of strength it's so it's so dependent right mm. like we all run different exercises I don't these days I don't really hack squat a whole lot I pendulum a lot more um so even in terms of like you know quad movement like you boys could probably get me on a hack because I just don't hack um mm very rare hack so it's just yeah exactly it's kind of hack it you know um so it's just i feel like it's so movement dependent right like mm. if i look back on what i used to run in terms of like my training programs when i was younger like i might have been stronger back then for those movements than what i am now but just overall i say i would say my strength has improved like as a, as a whole because i run different exercises so maybe stronger probably at those movements you'd hope right many years down the track in terms of trainability so it's it's kind of a bit of a much of a muchness the question hey because it's mm. and it's even we also have to remember that strength or... strength doesn't equal muscle either and like to an extent it does because if you maintain good execution and get stronger you'll you'll grow more muscle but someone 
Like I might have a bigger chest than Lawrence, but he might press more than me, for example. What what did you just <laughs> I think well I think you do press more than me. And do you have a bigger chest than me? Let let the critics decide. <laughs> no, well, it's a good point. It is a good point. And I think it's important to not get too too caught up in the numbers. Because someone's someone's biomechanics will just be such a huge determinant. Like if someone has really short arms compared to long arms, then chances are they'll be able to press more. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, for sure. Mm, I guess from the perspective of just levers, you know, but then you've got obviously like if that person even practices benching versus not as well. So it's so, so dependent, isn't it? Like, I mean, some people are just made to, to back squat really well. Some people look like they're performing a good morning when they're hitting a back squat, you know, so. Mm, yeah. But we're beating around the bush here. Who do you think would be the strongest on the pod? <laughs> Jack, you're our first. Just, just dismiss it. What we've talked about. If we all had to. Yeah, 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 everything out that, that's bullshit. We didn't answer the listener's question, and we're all about the listener here. You know. Across Jack, the board. Think... Well, should we do it in order of like one to four? No, nah, I, I want you to go spit out one name. But are we saying like a powerlifting meet tomorrow, for or just like every exercise across the board? Which yeah. one? Yeah. No. Every, every, no. Every everything like okay. overall. Or <sighs> mass moved. Who would I can't you say me because that's too arrogant. So I'll no, say no, but, no, I, but I, I but I want you to say. If I think it would be you. Jack because I think he has an ability to really grind that I think probably supersedes the three of us. Yeah. I think I don't know. I think DC would honestly be stronger than me. Well, I'm not going to say myself, am I? I'm going <laughs> to say Jack. I do, I, like, I do think I think Jack, you're, I, you're tremendously strong, man. I think yeah. So I'm. I'm, so, I'm not going to say myself. I don't think it's me. I reckon Jack mm. Jack might have me on this. I don't want to say myself as well, so I'm probably just going to go with DC. <laughs> I'm just, like, it would be really egotistical of me to say myself, so I'm going to go with DC here. But just keep in mind, listener, that it doesn't matter how strong you are. You're never going to be as strong as the 50-year-old at your gym was when they were 21 because you know they were deadlifting 600 kilos, they were pressing the 60s for 12 with a pause. You know, that that's the strongest person ever. Hammer curling the 50s as well. Oh, easily. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's really the heart matters. The criteria is that they have to tell you while they're half naked in the, in the locker room as mm. well. You know? mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like people really get naked that much in the locker rooms. I haven't seen anything. <laughs> you're just hanging out in the locker room. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to confirm or negate these myths. It's funny because I actually ran into Lawrence in the locker room when I was going to the gym today. So, care to That's explain? actually true. Yeah. But we were both fully clothed. Yeah, but it was weird though because you were leaving the gym at around 10 in the morning. It was almost like you were dodging me to spot yeah. you on the pendulum squat. Uh, he, he knows the time I come in and next thing you know, he's leaving it. I thought you would have want to be in there with me. You're too scary, mate. There can only be one alpha in that gym at the same time. It gets awkward when the dude there is his tiny shoelace for 10 minutes straight. You're like, what's going on here? Oh, dear. All right, boys. We're going to finish with one more, and it's very topical. Do any of the boys have a sleeper build? We had to explain what this was to DC off camera because he, he struggles to keep up with the youth. Look at Jack tensing his traps. <laughs> Where's his neck? Well, I think if the because I enough, honestly didn't know what a sleeper build was either. I just knew DY would, I mean, DC would ask, so I let him ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, I think if anyone is wearing a, a large enough garment, couldn't anyone have a sleeper build? Yeah, mm. that is true. But I will say, I think DC is too big to have a sleeper build. Yeah, I think like way too big. You'd have to wear like a tent, like because even if you, <laughs> even when you wear like a jumper, you know, you still look big. So I think I think DC is he can't out of the picture. Build. I think yeah, when you get when you get to a certain point, you're just like even in an oversized tee, you're looking hefty, and it's quite obvious you're you you lift. Mm. Mm. I was gonna say like in prep, you know, pretty much most people could could sport a sleeper build, right? Because you are you have a jumper on, you look like you don't train, you take it off with a pump, and you got this crazy vascularity going on. People are like what the hell, it's the same person I saw like ten minutes ago. Mm dragging their ass into the gym what do you guys think is the most important or muscle groups to look like you lift when wearing an oversized tee it'd have to be like forearms if that's like mm-hmm. the only thing that i was gonna like say a really developed del- back. I mean, traps I re- your upper traps yeah mm. i'd love to have just like really big upper traps <laughs> we just it just looks good back, lawrence you know yeah i just need those androgens mate they need to pro- proliferate in the upper traps do you think you got a sleeper build, Lawrence? You do wear those baggy kind of the shirts, well, well, big ball pants, power sup shorts, you know? No, I think Lawrence looks too big in, in the shirts, though. In my three XLs, yeah. Wow. I just fill that thing out. That's a compliment, Lawrence. That is a compliment. Too damn big in the triple XLs. Yeah, wow. That I feel very special. I feel loved. I don't see Jack really wearing any oversized t-shirts either. Really? When you see yeah, Jack in person, his arms are very, very big, I think. Yeah, but you kind of fill them out. It's not like it's a sleeper build. Like when I see you in an oversized... Well, they don't, they don't make 6XL, like, so I'm only stuck with the 5XL. Yeah, and that's your current size as well because now <laughs> they're the 95. tight. Yeah, skin tight. Mm. Yes, it's... Well, because the oversized... I don't know, like it's it still feels like it's pretty big. Like a lot of people wearing oversized clothing. I don't see, I don't think I see as many like singlets in the gym as I used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I That's was actually great. contemplating buying some singlets, but. I don't think I've ever trained you. I, I don't think I've ever seen you train in a, in a singlet before. No, it's been, yeah, it's been at least two years. Mm. I'd like to see. Any, any like reason for that? Uh, I think I just jumped on the bandwagon of, of wearing oversized tees, to be honest. And and I grew, outgrew all my singlets and I haven't been bothered buying more singlets. <laughs> like the only, the only singlets I wore were the ones given to me by ICN. And mm. fortunately, I don't fit them anymore. If you do want to get into them, go to Kmart, get the, like those white wife beater ones <laughs> and then tuck them into the b-ball shorts and you'll be good to go. Mm. Keen to see some updated pics. <laughs> Have you seen those, like, they'll do it, like, you know, it's like James Holling said, we'll do a, a tutorial on, like, how to make, like, a cutoff where they'll, like, just, like, get a, one of those shirts from their sponsors and they're, like, cutting the sleeves and, like, ripping the um, the <laughs> collar and stuff. Like, I just imagine, like, the head of, like, Redcon watching that and just being, like, watching their shirt get torn to smithereens. You're like, ah, yes. I'm so glad Cutting we through, like, person. an $18 shirt as well. Yeah, yeah. So glad we send this person merch. They've got like the lighter. They're like lighting it. So it makes like big burnt patches, makes it look more hardcore. It's like in primary school where you'd like burn the edges of a bit of paper. If it was like treasure a treasure map, treasure map, <laughs> ancient <laughs> scroll. Yeah. Oh, how good. I thought the reason why you didn't wear singlets was because of the, uh, the koala of hair on your armpit. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you're a hairy boy. 
Jack doing but overhead tricep extensions. <laughs> what did you say? I said, how did you see that? I guess. Oh, no, I'm just taking it. <laughs> Speculating from the beard. Yeah, exactly. I can't grow a beard to save my life. Like I can, but it's patchy as shit. So I'm just not a very uh, hairy, hairy boy. I'm, I'm trying. I got my barber to line me up a little bit. So I'm going to have a crack. I was going to say, you're looking a bit like uh, Wolverine today. Mm, I'm going to just give it a crack until my next haircut, see where it's at, get him to shape it up. And then I'll see if it's worth pursuing. Because I wouldn't mind having a little bit of something over just for prep. So that I don't I can look... donate some if you want, if you need that, it. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be mm. fantastic. Are you going to go? Are you going to go with the mo or anything like that when you compete? Oh, for sure. I'll keep the mo. I'll keep the mo. I um. You're going to get undefeated since though? we had the mo, mate. So I can't go without it. Mm. Like sea bum. Mm. So we'll keep the mo. But yes. All right, boys. Should we leave it there? Yep. Absolutely tremendous. Well, thank you very much, listener, for tuning in to another episode of BDU. If you have a few moments, please leave us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice and share the episode around. We appreciate all the love and um, thank you for continuing to support the show. We'll catch you guys next week.